Um, welcome to uh, uh, the theory episode. It's the theory one. When when bitches tell you to read theory, you don't have to. You can just tune into this episode. Um, this is. Uh, can we even call this lame? Yeah, no, okay. fucking roll the intro. This is lame. You guys are listening to the Lexington Authoritarian Marxist Experience. Whoa, oh fuck, oh fuck, we're th- wait, 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 we can't throw, we're, th- we're throwing out authoritarian on this one? As a joke. <laughs> but what if we want to use it again? We can use it again. I guess so, that's the power of authority. <laughs> I'm, I'm making that call right now, I'm Aaron. And um, I'm Jenry. Uh, I've been in a deep fucking depressive episode this week, and also there's no good news. Um, let me read you the two lines of news. Um, one headline. Uh, Fire Marshal shuts down some food options at the Gray Line station. Yeah, get their fucking comeuppance. Um, secondly, uh, the Fate School Board has uh, stopped televising their meetings now that they're back in person. Um, uh, when asked for comment, they said, fuck you. It is the 16th of July, 2021. Oh, shit, we didn't even say the date. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, no, it's fine. Fuck. I'll fucking pen my resignation right now. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, like, it's a it's a bad news week. And so... To God, conf- it's nothing but fucking crime in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, shots fired in Main Street. Stop fucking reporting on that shit. You're turning, you're turning your readers rapidly conservative as you mm-hmm. speak. Who gives a shit? Anyway. Just lazy reporting from the Herald Leader. The fucking Beth Musgrave. Look, listen. Everyone's got to get paid. Everyone's got to fucking do thing. Beth Musgrave did a coverage on that fucking UK press conference, and it was literally just writing up what the press report was. The, what the press release was. It's um, like I get it. Like that's like you know, gotta gotta keep the lights on. But uh, yeah, it was sad. There was um, very little to report on. Well, everybody's got to phone it in sometimes, and we're phoning it in. We're right? not phoning it in. I'm phoning it in. You're fucking. I'm very. I'm very, very excited. If I was a listener of Lame, I'm sure this is what right, I would. Well, want. let's stop lollygagging and mm-hmm. let's get into it. So the council is on uh, summer recess. Oh man, wait, them too? Jeez. Yeah. So while the council is away, Lame Fuck, will we're play. All... When the council is away, Lame will play. Wow. Um, tune in one year from now for the uh, lame summer fest where we, um, where we dance on main street while city council is out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am continuing my series of, uh, just reading through the charter and telling you what's in it. Uh, because nobody apparently has read the charter except but, for Richard Young. Yeah. But you got radicalized. We're radicalizing the charter. This is a cool charter. Well, no, it's cool now that I've read it. I thought, I thought, I, I thought I was trying to, what I was trying to. The charter, reading the charter, radicalized you. Oh, well, obviously, yes. Okay. Um, this charter, well, and it start, it stops being interesting after they talk about the uh, the mayor, because then they start take, getting into the fucking bureaucracy. and Which is what a charter is for. And, yes. And then um, Lenin, Vladimir Lenin, has uh, Vladimir things to say. Vladimir Ulyanov is thinking... About bureaucracy today. Vladimir Ilyich Ulyanov has a lot of like things to say about uh, the bureaucracy and what it stands for. Um, so we're going to be doing a hybrid uh, theory and reading the Lexington City Charter. Which is, I mean, I can't name you anything more. I can't name you anything more Lexington a Marxist experience than that. I think probably never before done in podcast history. 
truly, I can't imagine a single podcast that would actually mention the Charter of Lexington. Mm-hmm. So let's jump into it, all right? The uh, Charter uh, provides, this is going over Article uh, 7, um, which is... Yeah, for those of you playing along for at those home. Play, yeah, those of you playing along. They outlined seven departments. Um, I'm not going to tell you what they... What I'm, I'm going to tell you what they are. I'm not going to tell you what they do because they're self-explanatory. Mm. Law, finance, public safety, parks and rec, social services, sanitation and public works, and housing and community development. What does law do? I want you law to is kind of vague. Use your brain and think. What, no. What is it? Are, are there, they have to be more than just attorneys, right? does the law department do well i mean they didn't expect this they didn't expect to push back on this one a classic committee Uh, meeting faux pas classic committee okay the department of law shall be organized in the department of litigation department of corporate counsel and other such departments the council may prescribe the department commissioner and all division directors of said department shall be qualified attorneys at law they are all attorneys okay great all right cool wicked let's roll on then um or the the department commissioners are anyway um, and then they divide, they talk about what they are. The main ones are litigation and corporate counsel. Uh-huh. Um, basically, I guess just making sure they're the ones who also read the charter. All right. <laughs> fellow charter readers. The charter rights. Oh, shit. That's a different city. Yeah. Anyway, um, the uh, chief administrative officer is in charge of those. Our chief administrator, which I neglected to mention in the mayor episode, her name is, uh, her name is Sally Hamilton. Mm. Uh, you can reach her at lexingtonky.gov slash CAO, mm. um, along with the assistant or the deputy CAO and all the other people um, in that office. Um, and so she is in charge of, of administrative services, uh, which is obviously in charge of these. Um, and then the commissioner of each of these departments is appointed by the mayor and confirmed and all that stuff. Uh-huh. So... That's and then they, and then the bureaucracy does whatever bureaucracy does, like whatever machinery, state machinery this they is have. The thing, what is it? I do not. I what? What could they possibly be doing all day at their office job? Well, we're gonna answer that question a little bit today. The short answer is they're carrying out the unconsciously or consciously they're carrying out the will of the state, whether they want to or not. <laughs> That's not very helpful. Well, let's get into it. Okay. We've been we've been talking about this now for seven minutes. Yeah. Um Engels, Friedrich Engels our says guy. our guy says in the origin of family, private property, and the state, um, just talking about the state as a concept. He says, quote, the state arises when and insofar as class antagonism objectively cannot be reconciled. And conversely, the existence of the state proves that class class antagonisms are irreconcilable. Yes, you got um, that. For, for 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 normal people speak, the state exists um, because uh, there a state only exists because a state needs to mediate um, class fighting, basically. Yes, um, and so to take a step back if here, there is a state. There are classes that are fighting. Let's let's kind of anal- and analyze this. Um, now, I am taking this uh, all this inspiration from The State and Revolution by Vladimir Lenin. Yeah, great one. Um, I recommend the Haymarket one. It's got a good intro. Haymarket yeah, Books fun. publication. Um, but anyway, let's kind of break down what um, Engels is saying here. He says, The state arises when and where and when insofar as class antagonisms cannot inju- objectively be reconciled. So in our modern society, we have 
more or less two classes. Mm-hmm. How many? How many classes are there? At least two. At least. <laughs> no, well, I. Uh, Joe Biden was a little more, um, a little more forthcoming. At least three. At least three. <laughs> Which I love that. That's very um, progressive of him. Um, um, good job, Joey. And generally, the rule of thumb is you are either a capitalist or you are a worker. And if yeah. you work for a wage, whether like whether or not you're, um, and distinction here is whether or not you're. If you uh, could, if you could stop working today and just be fine, you mm-hmm. are not of the working class. Well, not necessarily. This is my opinion. Uh, um, yes, I think um, institutional, or I guess like definitionally, what a what the proletariat would be defined as is you are working for a wage. You are selling your time in some capacity to make a money to make a living yeah so you are not generating income based on just existing or just by owning things yeah you have to sell your own time yeah but there's lots of people of the capitalist class that have like jobs well yeah but they get this confused people they but they own things they own things and that's huge they own the means of production and other things but so like Like a you know a corporate person somebody working in like a bank uh-huh uh, making you know salary with full benefits and everything you know they the dream they are as much a proletariat as the chipotle worker definitionally speaking now in practice all of the you know every everybody in america has this like neurosis of um like they're all temporarily embarrassed millionaires yeah like um you know, oh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna become a millionaire one day. You know, if I work hard and uh, yes. work, work eighty hour weeks, and you know all that this stuff. This is the, con- the central conceit that um that makes uh people wake up and me have to sit in traffic. Exactly. Um, and so when Engels is talking about classes, he's talking about the distinction between proletariat and capitalist. Now, what is capitalist, right? Capitalist is someone owning who the, owns capital. Someone who owns capital. Nailed someone it. Who's owning the means of production, or other things. Or other things. So you can be, uh, and this is, yeah. They so like landlords. Mm-hmm. They they own. If we use landlords as an example, take break apart that that whole. We use landlords as an example, and also, I mean, and we'll wishing, make an example. Wishing death upon every single landlord um, is a staple of the podcast. We will, yeah, we'll use landlords as an example and make an example out of landlords. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I love this. Um, so in in a in the landlord uh, renter dichotomy, right? You, the, the dialectic, renter, if the, some may fucking say, the, in the land <laughs> in the landlord renter dialectic. Thank right? you. We have. Um, you know, the renter pays the landlord to live in some uh, abode for uh, a, a period of time that they agree upon. Yes. Right. So, and the landlord, what does the landlord do? All right. The landlord, in in the most general sense of the term, the landlord just owns the land. Yes. What they do with that land is whatever. Like, if you own a house uh, and you're renting it out, you could... Um, Apart from renting it, you know, you could clean it yourself or you could, you know, do all the maintenance you want to yourself, but you could also hire people. Or you could just not. <laughs> or you could which just is, pay. Which is many Lexington landlords right. love or this you trick. Could, or you could just not. <laughs> or you could just trick. patiently wait for the house to fall apart. Right, exactly. Um, and so depending on, I mean, it's your land, right? The land of the free. Right. Do whatever you want with it. It's my property, baby. Mm-hmm. 
private property. Um, and remember that term. Yes, private property, um, which is distinct from personal property. I just have to say that. Yeah. And so not your toothbrush, but private property that generates actual uh, funds and, and stuff like that. So uh, the landlord, you know, just makes money off of uh, this land. And, you know, the, the landlord simps out there would be like, oh, landlord's actually a hard job. You have bad tenants sometimes and they, yeah. they, leave, they leave your but house it's in funny, shambles. But it's funny because I have bad landlords all of the time. This is the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you have bad tenants sometime. Every there is no there are no good landlords. Mm-hmm. There is never when you are a renter, there is no good landlord. Just or, fundamentally. Or if we take it like um, you know, like a business. All right. Yeah. If you if you're a business owner. No, yeah. If you own Chevy Chase hardware. If you own if you if you are the fucks that decided to buy Chevy Chase hardware and turn it to shit. Yeah. So like when you if you are working for Chevy Chase Hardware, right, you, you know, go into an agreement with with the owners of the establishment. Yes. Um, and you will say, I will come in to Chevy Chase Hardware and I will work a certain amount of hours. Technically, I mean, and you will and like, like yeah. on paper. Yeah, on paper. I mean, not and, even and on will... paper. I mean, the people at Chevy Chase Hardware have no contracts signed. Mm-hmm. Anyone could walk it at any point. I actually right. have no idea how that business stays afloat. <laughs> um. And then you get paid a certain amount of money. Yeah. Um, and then they have to do a whole bunch of you know business things. That's kind of getting beyond the scope of what we're talking about here, because that's more of labor theory of value and uh, Marx, what Marx had to say. Um, but I think anyone the, on Twitter is like, actually, I'm an Engelist. Uh, yeah, well, it's Marxism Engels. Marx, Marx Engels. I know. This, they, they're dynamic Shut duo. The fuck up, Aaron. Do you not have? It, I know this is the theory episode, but I'm allowed to fucking joke on my own podcast. All right, all right. Jesus, all right. It's fun. Anyway, Marxism, Leninism, Engelism, yeah. <laughs> Marxism, Engelism. I'm sure there are Engelists. Um, yeah, you could call me a, um, uh, a Marxist, Engelist, Leninist, um, uh, Kautskyist. Nah, I was trying. Um, what's it, whoa, Castroist. That was oh, what I was going to go. Yeah, I forgot. I totally forgot where I was going with that joke. Um, and so there is this conflict between the interests of the working class and the interests of the ownership class. Yes. And that they, they want different things. Yes. And there's not enough owners. There's too many, there's too many workers, people, not enough, not owners. enough owners. So what, how will the, what will the owners possibly do to maintain the, the things they own? Well, they have a state. This is huge. <laughs> the modern idea of a state is, as I said, relatively modern. Um, as you would, as the name suggests, the modern state, um, it has this liberal idea that, um, and this is like the platonic ideal of the liberal state, mm-hmm. that there are multiple competing interests that wish to affect change on the material conditions of society. All right. You know, you've got, uh, all these different ideas and they compete uh, and these competing interests manifest themselves as interests of certain classes. So, like, in an ideal world, you know, like, the Democrats, you would say, like, generally represent the interests of, like, the financial sector. Or, mm-hmm. like, the Republicans represent the interests of, like, business and landowners. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, in this, in this platonic ideal, they go into the houses of parliament or into the city council chambers, and they have the battles of the words, and whoever has the best argument wins, and they vote on that, and... The material of the, the material conditions of 
ever theoretically everybody I don't think, I don't think Lennon described any of this. What do you I'm know? just <laughs> describing I'm just describing like the status quo right okay. now. Okay. Yes. And so like the material conditions of everybody like theoretically goes up. All right, you know, you have these this battle of the minds um and they each make their own convincing arguments and at the end of the day they shake hands and and vote for whichever one is better. This is this is the world that Joe Biden believes in. This is the world that Joe Biden believes in. Um, now, if you have a pair of eyes and a pair of ears, you know that this does not happen. Don't even need a pair, honestly. Yeah. Um, it, go ahead. I, no, I'm just going to say it's not simply not true. Um, in fact, turns out um, you don't have... A, there's only one kind of people being represented in mm-hmm. the state. And this was very apparent to Lenin in 1917. As it was very apparent to Marx. Mm-hmm. As it was very apparent to Marx in the 1800s. As it is very apparent to me, Jenry, the new... Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm actually a uh, Marxist, Engelist, um, Leninist, uh, Castroist, Jenryist. <laughs> Marxism, Jenryism. Marxism, Jenryism. Whoa, huge. Uh, Where's my fucking t-shirt? Lame podcast. It's not endorsed. Marxism, Jenryism. Lame podcast does endorse Marxism, <laughs> oh Jenneryism, and these are the conflicting ideas. We seem to be at a disagreement, <laughs> um, and so and it's a perfect analogy because we both stand to profit right. from any um, either way. And and in, in, in reality, these two classes, you know, these two um, like political parties are parties of the bourgeoisie, uh-huh. parties of the ownership class. Yes, so that's why yeah, you have uh, you know Democrats are just like the culturally left uh culturally left bourgeois represent the insurance or at least since the 90s the insurance agencies and pharmaceutical companies um republicans represent something um fucking who knows what they represent uh, now extractive resources um (laughs) anyway and so they create all different kinds of people that own things yes they create this framework of laws and stuff um Mm -hmm. and who like who actually has to um not just enforce them but like carry them out, flush them out in more detail, see them through. That's right. The bureaucracy. Ladies and gentlemen, Congress merely says they want an IRS, but someone's actually got to make the IRS. Precisely. Those are our boys out there. Um, and, and this is this section of uh, State and Rev Lenin calls special bodies of armed men. Um, Which emerged- is a misquote, right? He doesn't... He He's, he's quote... Lenin claims to quote special bodies of armed men as a thing quoted by Engels, but Engels never said this. <laughs> uh, still badass phrasing, though. No, pretty badass. No, Lenin, uh, Lenin thought of this one himself, and he's like, this is so cool. Surely I didn't think of this. He so did, the, though. Yeah, so the bureaucracy idealistically carries out the, um, I, the, the rules put forth by the state, um, and those rules have to be enforced. Otherwise, they have no meaning, right? So you have um, institutions like the police, the military, the National Guard that come in and they enforce the will of the state. Whether they, you know, whether they are consciously doing it or not is what is, is what is happening. Um, and the main, the main thing of uh, these special bodies of armed men, or Lenin also calls them a special coercive force of the mm. state, um, and you would it is to um, protect the sanctity of private property, and to eliminate the threat of resistance to 
the ruling class. Yes. Say you need a strike broken, or um, you just don't like that a guy is loitering at the Fayette Mall. Mm-hmm. These are both valid applications the, of the state. The police, the police having any involvement with crime is incidental. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not in, uh, the police. The police have a, a pretty direct involvement in the crime, namely. They're one of the biggest perpetrators of it, mm-hmm. but that's once again sort of immaterial to um, yes. uh, the, the sort of carceral state of just a thing they do for fun on the side. That's um, yeah, that's actually that's their side hustle. What they're really here to do is protect the private property. See, and, and you know it's a side hustle because right, like now America has in, in like the highest uh, incarcerated people per capita, but you know mm-hmm. Switzerland is just as much, if not more, of a capitalist state, and yet they don't have you know. A huge prison population once again crime is just for kicks here um we it's just fun. like we just we just love doing crime and hurting people for it and by we i'm speaking metaphorically as the police here and we can get into a whole discussion in a future episode about just like the um the modern carceral state. the modern carceral state which is yeah. just insane even in lexington too. Yeah, deep, deeply far- oh i mean we oh well when we talk about that i will have to talk share um, about the fucking um, uh, uh, Lexington's high security women's prison. Oh, um, interesting. If you all know about this. Uh, I do not, so I look forward to um, that. To quote Bill Clinton, that's not good. Um, oh, when, when asked about the, uh, I forget exactly what he said, but he says something along the lines of like, uh, oh man, that's a bummer um, when he heard about this one. Anyway. So whether, like, I, like I've been saying the whole time, whether they realize it or not, the bureaucracy is being corrupted by capitalism. All right, if you work, you know, in like the finance department all right it's your job to carry out the finances of the state and if you don't do your job then you get fired and then you're starving yes the working class does uh in many ways carry out the functions of the state which is very funny Mm -hmm. um you know if, if you don't if you don't do your job the system doesn't work and that's that's kind of uh i mean like duh yeah you need people to keep doing the job Mm-hmm. Um, so Lenin um, talks extensively about the uh, Paris Commune. Mm-hmm. Paris Commune, a huge thing, a big thing. Right. Um, what can so like what can what, we what, learn? what can what can be done right about um, the bureaucracy in its current state? Yes. What did the Paris Commune do right? So yeah, Lenin looks to the Paris Commune. If you haven't heard of the Paris Commune. So this is an event in 1871. For like a few months. For like a few months in uh, Paris. So Paris had been under siege from the Franco-Prussian War, uh, where Germany, like, really badass, was just like, hey, I'm a country now, and laid Paris under siege for like a year and a half. It wasn't even a full country yet. It was not a, um, it was still, well, it was still it was like after, the, It was after the war. It was like the Prussian, yeah, oh yeah, I yeah. guess it was after the war. Um, it was, uh, but yeah, so they laid Paris under siege, and that was like the catalyst for the whole development of the Paris Commune. Yeah, lots of uh, Parisians living in misery under siege. Um, once the siege finally leaves, they're like, actually, we've had enough of this one, mm-hmm. and do a little armed revolt. Yes, and so the proletarians, uh, they seize power from the bourgeoisie. They well, develop their the, own. Yeah, at the help of, I mean, would, what would we consider? Would we consider the um, armed Paris Guard the like a, a a arm of the bureaucracy what would the what would we consider well, them? the, the they, paris national guard they well, yeah. were so like so like because the, they started um, they were a like a a paramilitary thing mm-hmm. in paris that revolted yes so yeah so like the the paris national guard right 
Um, they took orders from, you know, the Paris national government mm -hmm. and then the regional people as well. Yeah. So there is a distinction, I guess, in the military. It's important to say that, like, the people in the barracks versus the people calling the shots are of two, two conflicting interests. Yeah. Um, and so the actual, like, grunt, grunts in the National Guard, they were the ones that were like, oh, yeah, let's uh, just seize power. Because um, there was a whole, like, there was there was this big thing about um, the, like, bourgeois, like, taking these uh, very symbolic cannons yes, away. Yes, the, uh, the, the ornate cannons. From the uh, from the Parisians. And listen to, listen to Mark's Madness for a more concise Yeah. Um, uh, basically, they had a little scheduling conflict, and they were not able to secretly escort out the yes. cannons. And as a result, it made a lot of very miserable people very upset. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, not only did they unsuccessfully steal the cannons, um, they also... Uh, um, the people also successfully um, overthrew the government in Paris. Mm -hmm. um, and so they replaced it with like a whole bunch of uh, reforms. And some of these reforms, um, they're, they're very fascinating um, because a lot of them are kind of familiar based on like how we've been living in the, in the pandemic. Um, one of the, they implemented separation of church and states. Um, the, one of the things they did a classic was classic pandemic hit. A classic. One of the well, here's here's the pandemic hit. They canceled rent. Yes. That was owed during the siege. Yeah. And so, like one of the things, one of the biggest demands of like Lexington Housing Justice Collective. Um, cancel rent. Cancel rent. Lexington DSA cancel rent. Um, and originally rent well, payment. They did it, folks. Yeah. Originally they had suspended the rent payments, mm -hmm. and then but after the siege was over, they wanted them to pay them back. Like the gov the original yes. government, that was the plan. Yeah. And then the commune was like, actually, we're just going to cancel. Actually, them. no, we will not be paying. Um, they abolished child labor and night work. Uh, they gave pensions to people who fought in the Paris Commune Revolution. Love that. Um, like basically, you know, like pretty boilerplate uh just, just, stuff. just yeah just lots of good um, social policy but the first thing they did as soon as they got power was mm -hmm. they instituted a policy with the bureaucracy of direct election and recall at any time yes the recall at any time god if i had a dime for every time lennon mentioned being able to be recalled at any time I'm mm -hmm. sure I would have a considerable amount of money. And you're asking yourself now, Jenry and Aaron, what this is, this is, I don't want to have to elect people like at, at a, at a moment's notice. This is very frustrating to me as a, as a busy person with things to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't have a solution for you. What's the solution, Aaron? <laughs> well, I mean, this kind of thing really like having, uh, having like the bureaucracy, elected and um having them being recalled at any time is part of london's idea of um you the working class simply cannot lay hold of the ready-made state machinery they must dismantle it mm -hmm. and they must make it work for them uh-huh and so, so, wait, so i don't, don't know you don't, you I, don't have a solution so for ideally the, you even so ideally it? so ideally i guess you would have like i don't know federal or like city uh, holidays uh, or something. politically involved um politically involved uh yeah. population well this is i mean like look at uh look at like sort of quote-unquote bureaucratic um positions that are held by election in lexington right like a lot of um i don't know how i mean but like like commonwealth attorney um 
and stuff like that like uh oh the coroner um like you know this is a election that um these are elections that uh, your average voter does not give a shit about um and that your average person definitely doesn't give a shit about no one votes in these things basically um and it makes it deeply frustrating for everyone involved um so uh the answer i think um to your question is a uh, we need to simply make people care about politics and i think um a workers revolution that won't necessarily be an issue i think we'll i think we will have our bases covered <laughs> i think and i think you know part of the reason a lot of people don't care about city politics Cause and they're miserable. is because they're miserable and because you know if you look at uh like approval statistics for like not even just the, like congress but like any like elected body they're like very very low mm-hmm. and it's because they uh you know they put in these laws and stuff that um basically make the material conditions of the electorate objectively worse to quote the mark to quote mark the mark fisher um uh what do you call it treatise essay book yeah book. book um it is easier to imagine the end of the world instead of imagining the end of capitalism mm-hmm. um and so to wrap around All right, wrap yeah. back around yes bring us home lennon talks about how it is um, basically impossible for uh, this kind of change to happen without dismantling the current state apparatus. Mm-hmm. It sounds scary. It but is. It's just it's spooky. Changing fundamentally how the state works. Yeah. Um, because. Because the working we class. We still need a state, baby. We, we still need still, a state. Well, there's still yeah, people to be oppressed, but this time it ain't us. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And so that's all, that's a whole nother discussion about the dictatorship of the proletariat. I guess we're not getting there right now. I guess we can. Yeah. I mean, so, just to be super sure. I mean, I, for many years heard the phrase dictatorship of the proletariat and I'm like, I don't like that word dictatorship, but it's, I mean, it's just candidly true. We um, live in a dictatorship of capital, whether you like we, it or not. There's, there's a dictatorship of the bourgeoisie. And when we smash the state machinery and take it over, the state becomes the dictatorship of the proletariat. You not see. a literal dictatorship. Yes, in the same way that uh, that we do not currently live under a literal dictatorship. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but there is one. Uh, we we have to literally oppress the people that own things. This is why we're talking constantly talking about how landlords need to um either uh, give up all their goods or um kill themselves because <laughs> uh they um they are people that need to be oppressed. I mean, there is no. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, there, uh, these people must be, you know, um, these people that have committed these crimes of owning things, um, and hoarding things, uh, have to be, um, there needs to be a process in which we get those things back. They definitionally have to oppress other people. Yes. If we have a state and we're like, that's right. 100% free rights for every single person. Well, we'll just, it'll be like no revolution happened because if everyone gets the same, you know, you get to just have whatever you have, we're all back. You know, there's a reason why people talk about difference between equality and equity. You know, um, the dictatorship of the proletariat um, is one that's is one that seeks equity um, because you are inherently oppressing a class that has a um, uh, majority of things. Yeah, whatever. It's uh, you know, and it's it's a lot to kind of take in too. 
I know. I'm trying um, to fucking give you all the crash course on this one. But. The the basic thing is here. Don't get intimidated by the fact that it's called the dictatorship of the proletariat. Don't worry. Ladies and gentlemen, it's, if we – look, look. If we have a re- workers' revolution, it won't – you will have many years, I think, to figure mm-hmm. – to, to sort of make your peace um, with that. And it's – the basic thing is state power is not in the hands of capitalists. And in Lexington, it's the horse owners, the land developers – the yeah the land developers real estate agents landlords uh, landlords um and it would instead be in the hands of normal people yes um normal everyday hard-working people yes blake hall you can't <laughs> <sighs> yeah sure whatever Fine. in charge of the lexington lexington soviet <laughs> jesus fucking christ um but i mean yeah that's basically basically what um all of this is what lennon talks about um what pretty much if you read theory is what you're gonna he- be hearing is that um putting putting power in the hands of the many mm. not the few and i do recommend state and rev as like the go-to theory book because a lot of Marx writings um is hard to get um hard to understand what the importance mm-hmm. of it is um and lennon does a great job of sort of like playing the best hits of Marx. And um, sort of showing what that means in a semi-modern society. I mean, you know, the 1910s were not that long ago, um, comparatively. Now, Lenin, Lenin, I would recommend as a secondary introduction to uh, leftist theory. What's the first one? Angles. Yeah. You got to read Angles. Um, and well, we can have I a... I haven't fucking read Angles, reading, so. uh, We have a reading list in the show notes. Oh, my God. Um, Great. Perfect. It's mm-hmm. not my job to educate you. You have to go fucking do the reading now. Damn. Oh, we can talk. We'll talk about it later on the podcast. But I will, ladies and gentlemen, as your podcast host, I will never, I will never force you to read anything ever. I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying if you want to, we can put a reading list in the description. Yeah. If, 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 if you decided to become radicalized by this podcast, yeah, seriously. Uh, <laughs> um, but I mean, I really, I really enjoy reading Angles. I think he's a lot more uh more fluid to read than uh marx yeah um socialism scientific and utopian yeah um is a really really good one and then angles uh what i was quoting earlier origin of family private property and state yeah um uh i mean any sort of talk uh, lennon also talks about the fucking um like uh, socialism is not utopian mm-hmm. which i think is in our sort of current political climate good to talk about because uh a common fucking like right-wing talking point about socialist stuff would be like oh you, you know it's utopianism you're thinking i mean like marx ex- marx explicitly um and lenin too i mean these are uh the discussion of a workers revolution into like socialism is a uh intentionally uh, pages are intentionally left blank onto um what the society is supposed to look like afterwards because how could you possibly... Um, they're not oracles. Yeah, they're not oracles. They simply were... There is a there is a analysis of what our current conditions are. And there is an analysis of what could be done to stop and reverse those conditions. Um, but what step you take after that can only be found out and ascertained after you do the revolution. Right? Mm-hmm. And if you're Lenin, what you do after the revolution is fucking die. Um and uh, you, get, you get three strokes and die. You get three, yeah, three strokes. You're out. Um, <laughs> you get the you you get the thing. You die. You're like we have, you know, like right before a stroke. Lennon's like we have, you know, we have not taken, we have done the revolution, but we have yet to take the actual step 
from you know capitalism to socialism we've done that but from socialism to communism our real goal we are the you know after we are the communist party Mm -hmm. um this step is not taken yet and before he could take that step he died and at some point or later joseph stalin shows up and he's like actually we're good here um everything is perfect actually i'm loving it this is communism (laughs) ain't that right guys um as he's as he's holding a gun to everyone's head he's holding one gun from moscow pointed just all the way across the globe directly where trotsky is in mexico city and he's like (laughs) doing the trigonometry he's like if i shoot it like up at this certain angle can i just have this bullet fall and kill trotsky the main the main um kind of guideline for like socialist society is obviously workers on the means of production but also the 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 ruling the 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 the, the, the uh, main goal the prevailing goal and rule is from each according to their ability to each according to their contribution is that the phrase yes okay or uh, no yes and then after and then communism it's from each according to their ability to each according to their need oh okay yes i see um but um in this little mini bureaucratic episode the main point is we want you to uh the main point we want you to get is that um bureaucracy is uh in the the current capitalist state i guess is like inherently nefarious but not intentionally right because they're 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 just like they're just doing their job right yeah this is the beauty of all things capital is that um if you just sort of like the way our government especially in the neoliberal era neoliberal era is aligned if you just like sort of sit back and like don't do anything like it's very easy to maintain the status quo for you like you don't have to do much to keep this you know sort of self-perpetuating machine Mm -hmm. running um you sort of just have to like keep doing your job you know and uh things just happen now this is also to say like you know if you work for like fucking lexington gis or whatever i think um it's whether whether or not you do your job is pretty ambivalent i think on the uh on whether or not the workers will suffer at your hands so you know i mean it looks like Lexington GIS does a lot of important things. I know. If they, well, you know, if they decide to stop working, that would be. But this is like, it was, but this is my thing of like my criticism of Lenin is that like I've never like what because what he when he talks about bureaucracy, he's talking about more things than just what we think bureaucracy is. Right. He has this. And, there's this whole. I mean, there's this whole like Russian. The, the Russian neuroses of these of this bureaucratic state, right? Yeah, is this whole thing that's uh, that's already like in Lenin's mind. It's so obvious to him; he doesn't have to explain it. Like, if you wanted to talk about, I mean, like, I think the best answer for Americans when they were like, "Well, what is the bureaucracy?" I think the easiest, um, like, capital, like, e enemy. If anyone works for this thing, they're for the enemy. Are things like our security apparatus, like the CIA and the FBI and people like that. That is, I think would fit much more the definition uh like the pentagon like stuff like that would fit much more the definition of lenin's military bureaucracy that he is talking about far more than you know like the fucking tax man (sighs) um but i mean at the same time like i think many people i was certainly shocked to learn that during prohibition the main enforcement agency was the irs you know i mean they are still they are um you know they have their you know uh, a 
physically practicing their the logical end of the IRS, which is if you don't pay your taxes, we will kill you. Um, and uh, try and kill people the IRS did. Look no further than the IRS's contingency plans for if the United oh, States the, ever fucking goes under. That is... I not I know it's not lame. I would love to fucking do an episode just go into explicit detail on um one uh what it is and two what the counter plan for us is. Um how you as a workers uh, as a as, as a, a revol- Yeah, how you in the workers revolution can successfully make it to Atlanta to kill the proper people working at the IRS to um stop the uh stop the um, collection of taxes upon the United States government. Who knew that the only thing holding back the revolution would be accountants? Yes, um, accountants have, just for kicks, taken it upon themselves to uh, basically develop a bulletproof plan for the continuation of their bureaucracy. Um, The CIA fucking wishes. (laughs) Jeez. Um, And so that really is all I have to say about uh, this topic today. It's a bit of a short one. Yeah, Um, I mean, we'll look. We're having fun here, folks. It's mm-hmm. look. I did that one every uh, all side A episode, and we finally did it. We finally made it's finally it. Happened. It's the side B episode. Um, you know, if you enjoyed this, let us know. Yeah, actually, this is generally would love for love for you guys to not want side A. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, if I could just do more of this theory shit, like I do this like for fun. I don't, and this may come as a shock to you people. Don't read the newspaper for fun. Um, oh, see, I'm a I'm a psychopath and do. See, I um, am a hurt by the news, and uh, mm-hmm. this is why I do a news podcast. Precisely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, um, well, yeah. Let us know you know if you if you like what we the what we have to say. Uh, it's kind of rambly this time. Hopefully, but... we radicalized you. Um, uh, I don't think. Well, look. Okay, in my in my radicalization journey, I it does take well, more than one podcast episode. No, 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 no. I think it can literally do. It can be done in one podcast episode, and if not this episode, we will try it again in another right. one. If you have been radicalized by this episode, let us know on Twitter. Let we us know. Send you, we will send you a lame sticker. Lame sticker. If you haven't been radicalized by this episode, let us know, and we'll send you a lame sticker. Mm-hmm. We're just giving these things out, folks, for free while mm-hmm. supplies last. Um, and uh, with that. It's happened again. Yep. You wasted another perfectly good 42 minutes listening to Lame. We'd like to thank our esteemed executive producer, Charlie Carey, for all the hard work you do. Uh-huh. Thank you, Charlie Carey, for translating State and Revolution. Yeah, that was... Um, from German. It, it, from in, German. From German into Russian, and then I translated it from Russian into English. Yeah, this is actually... The language barriers of this workplace, guys, it's unbearable, honestly. I Look, I'm a, I don't... Every day, I, the reason I've been in this depressive state is that I only know one language. This is the. Uh, well, you took French. Yeah, but I can't. I need to. I need to like. It's been so long. I need to actually <laughs> learn the language and um, speak it and read it. Mm. Um, See, so you just so, simply should just be like me and be a native speaker. Yeah, I simply fucking should. Um, shouldn't I? But uh, um, but uh, look, not everyone's parents are dolls like Aaron's. Um, so uh, not everyone can have nice things. Um, sometimes you have to be like an average American and only speak English, um, which is fine because uh, we do live um in the Pax Americana um for now, mm-hmm. and I am on top of this world order. I am in the top fraction of percent of luxury, and um, I acknowledge that, and uh, I'm not sorry for it. Wow. take me to fucking task on that i love being on top people don't care how many people i have to kill for it 
And if that didn't radicalize you, I don't know what. No, спасибо большое, товарищ Генри. Очень, очень приятно за сегодня мы эпизод сделали. И спасибо большое слушатели, что вы сегодня слушали это эпизод Flame. И мы будем говорить вас следующую неделю. Спасибо большое. You guys are listening. Or thank you guys for listening to Lame, basically. Um, I, I insulted Jenry, um, and uh, you're a comrade, Jenry. I think it's sad that you even bothered explaining. Okay, <laughs> you even bothered translating. Well, you know, you got to explain it. No, you don't. Okay. That's the beauty well, of things. I didn't explain all of it. Well, thank God. Only for the Russian listeners. Oh, well, yeah, for out you, if you've been, um, if you've accidentally been Manchurian candidated <laughs> by the last uh, 30 minutes of this episode... Um, 30 seconds whatever and with that uh, uh, shit we it already even... happened again no we're stuck we're stuck in the podcast hole and even though Lennon and Maya Linda Gordon sends out special bodies of armed men Marvin to Lennon I don't know we're talking about... and even though even though Mayor Linda Gordon sends out special bodies of armed now men there we go to uh, quell the podcast uprising whenever they hear us say it this is lame all right okay all right we did it <laughs> that was all over the place I love it <laughs>